everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm Peter Bolden. And I'm Craig Spodak. Dentistry can sometimes feel lonely. Having over 45 years of combined experience and the chops to run eight successful practices, our mission is simple. Pay it forward and share what we've learned. That's why we developed the Bulletproof Pathway to help you navigate your way to ultimate success in dentistry. And don't forget to join our community's conversation over at Bulletproof.Dental. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Craig and I are going to be talking about all things real estate or a lot of things real estate. We do this a lot. We actually posted this in the, in the uh, Mighty Networks asking for, for commentary. Craig, you should pull that up while, we're, while I'm chatting. And also, um, we talked about just you know bringing your questions surrounding that because there's a lot of things to, gosh, there's a lot of things in real estate, whether it's an owner-occupied, whether it's an investment, leases versus buying, cost segregation, arbitrage, I mean, not arbitrage, leverage. Um, using debt as a, as a good instrument, all these things. I mean, it's um, there's so much that surrounds debt, cost segregation, bonus depreciation, all the things. And so we'll try and cover a lot of it. Um, but obviously it could be, you know, we could probably hold a summit on just real estate. Maybe not us specifically, Craig, but, but there is enough fodder and content. And, and it's, I think it's uh, one of the best uh, investment silos for a dentist. Um that uh, it, it should actually be spoken about more. You know, doesn't Dave Phelps, doesn't that, he pretty much just focus on this for dentistry? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I think it's residential stuff, but I mean, there's, listen, whether it's uh, Gary Kiyosaki from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or Grant Cardone, I mean, uh, there's, there's, there's no shortage of people that love the um, real estate play and, and as a way to increase wealth. And as a tax efficient strategy as well. I mean, let's, we we're just talking before we hit record inflation. I know there's no inflation. I know there's not. Well, well no, they no. they've conceded that there's inflation, but it's transitory. But not, yeah. It's, it's going to be around for just like what, between 12 and 134 years. Like somewhere. It's like somewhere saying like, like we raise the prices, but we promise we're going to pull them back later. Yeah. Cause it always happens. Yeah, right. It always happens. Mm. Yes. Yeah, Starbucks lattes are getting cheaper over time. Well, if you look at it. All kidding aside, Craig, so you bring up inflation in the context of this. Why? Well, because we have a, a moment in time right now, a very interesting moment in time where interest rates are still low, meaning that you can borrow for hard assets like real estate or your office or investment properties and prices are going to the moon and inflation's happening. So if you're, if you can borrow at, you know, three and a half, three percent, four percent, and you have inflation that's being reported at 5.6, that means that inflation is going to drive those costs of assets higher and you'll be able to make that arbitrage. You'll be able to make the spread between the price increase and the amount that you're borrowing. And I think one thing to, and I don't want to go too granular. I'll just, I'll circle back or let you circle back. One thing that we have to recognize when we're talking about interest rates for our businesses or for businesses that we um, own real estate in, you've got to remember your interest rate is subject to your tax rate. So make it real simple. If you are borrowing at 3% and your tax rate is 38%, you are actually only paying uh, 62% of that interest rate. So your real cost of money is 1.86%. And I'll leave a pin in that right now because we went really granular yeah, really quick. You did. You went quick quick into that. And I that think escalated a, quickly. A level two, a level two, uh, 201 class you just went to. But um, 
let's let's um let's let's zoom out for a second. Sure. Good so idea. there's there's essentially kind of two types of of real estate for what for all intents and purposes we're talking about here. There's owner occupied real estate and there's an investment real estate. Owner occupied is what most dentists who own their building are in. Obviously, they they're 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 the business their own business practice is occupying the building. Typically, that's more favorably looked at by banks because yep. they know that you can get a better percentage rate of uh, borrowing your money. Your cost of capital is pretty is, is cheaper. It's less they, risky for them. Less risky, right? Especially with dentistry. Um, and then there's and then so the other one is more of an investment only, where you have no where you have no future intent to occupy that building, and you're simply buying it, analyzing the risk from an investment standpoint, like you said, Craig, borrowing the money at let's say three or four, and then and then taking advantage of the cap rate or capitalization rate that's going on on the investment of just the money. Okay, so you have. Um, you just let's just talk personally for a second. Yeah, you are getting into your first piece. So you haven't you had your giant building right now has been your owner occupied building in your dental practice, correct? And yep. you're just now getting into the space. This year, you got into the space of investment thesis investment property only, correct? Uh, well, it's correct. It's just not just this year, but yeah. So this, well, you had a partnership. You've had, you've been yeah, involved so, in, in REITs and partnerships, but today this this year was the one where you kind of took it. You took yeah, it. You're, so the only, I, you're going solo on some of your in, in real estate. Yeah. Investment. So I've had some partners on some real estate that I've done, and um, this one is my first complete solo shopping center, like my own commercial center. So yeah. what what encouraged you? If I'm going to push in on you, actually, what what encouraged you? What was your reasoning behind? Like, you know what? I need to go buy a shopping center. It's not even in your town. So what said? What was the thing? I, I need to go buy a shopping center. Uh, well, it's a couple. So so what happens is you get old enough, you know, and I'm 50. You start to see these long term trends, and you start to get some confirmation bias of like, damn, I knew this was going to be a good idea, but I didn't pull the trigger, and um really just trying to analyze, you know, as part of a longer term investment strategy, like what's the best way to do things and tax advantages and stuff like that. I've, I happen to have a bunch of friends, um, really good friends that are, uh, that they, they're in commercial real estate for their occupation. So I've watched them from afar and I've watched their playbook and I just learned from them and, um, they've advised me and helped me along. And I've gone in deals with them, but this one particularly was, um, a good area. I like the area. I've seen what can be done. I've kind of learned it as much as I, you know, the, the barriers to entry, I've learned that. I formed relationships with banks and uh, I'm looking at the tax advantages of it. So um, as people that are, you know, more mature in their practices and cash flow is not as apparent of a problem, there's good earnings, you're going to get hammered on income taxes. Well, so there's let, a let me interject why well. you did it too. As yeah, well, well then why'd you ask me? You should just well, tell me why I did it. No, because I wanted to hear what no, you had to I'm, say. I'm, just, and I'm, I'm add, having fun with you. I'm going to add to that. Please. You are a very good steward of your money, Craig. You are a very good saver, as I've noticed. And you were getting to a point where the cash on your personal balance sheet was becoming a liability, right? Meaning a liability yeah. in that it was a liability. It was vulnerable to what you just mentioned, the inflation, which isn't transitory. And it's probably not 5.6 is being reported. When they reported it at 5.6, it's probably means 
in a couple of years, we're going to look, but the, the, the look back is we're going to look back and say, man, it was really probably nine or 10. Um, oh, easy, Pete. Easy. Right? Easily. And so, and so you have what's called, if anyone follows Bitcoin and Michael Saylor and stuff, he talks about cash being something called the melting ice cube. So yeah. you have this ice cube, of, you know, and, and, and it's cash and it's great. And it, but, but eventually it starts, it starts eroding um, faster than what uh, fa- it, it, it's eroding faster than what, if you don't have it in assets, you can't, you can't keep pace. You're actually losing money every year based on inflation. If you're sitting with cash in your mattress, so to speak. Yeah. So in order you, so cash, you've heard that even, even uh, some of the best investors recently have, have said cash is trash. And what they mean by that is it needs to be deployed into certain avenues. And you've just decided that real estate is something that really works well for you versus putting it in the S and P or stocks and bonds or gold or Bitcoin or whatever you decided that you like the thesis of real estate because it does capture, it is an asset that if we do get massive inflation here, the asset itself will track Parapasu with what the inflation is going on. Meaning if we have a 10% well, it's also leveraged too, Peter. And it's leveraged. Well, let's get into, hold on. Let's, let, let's, yeah. let's get into that in a second. And I'm happy you said that. Yeah. What I was thinking of, I was beyond that presumption that, you know, I don't want to have cash not performing. I was thinking specifically why real estate versus other asset classes, but yes, you're hundred percent right. Well, the only reason I have, bring that up, Craig, is because it used yeah, to be, important. we used to bring it in this. I mean, even I, I remember the era, I mean, it used to be this thing. It's like the game is to just aggregate zeros and ones in your checking account, savings account. And, and, you know, that was, you're going to be retirement. And now, unfortunately, because of this inflationary environment, it really can't be the case. You have to, you have to diversify, deploy and find assets that can, that can capture that as opposed to uh, just sitting there with that melting ice cube. So, yeah, I mean, that mm. bag of money that you have is becoming less valuable. It literally is melting ice. So with a five, if, if we can agree, it's 10%, it's you're losing 10% of your purchasing power. And I think that you you brought up a good point too, Peter, that in the beginning, you just want to have money in your bank account. And I think the reason why we get in most amount of trouble is we use outdated reasons and outdated thought mm-hmm. for a current day problem. So your original problem is, damn, I have no money. That was a great statement, by the way. I love that you would repeat that. I, I can't, but you know what I'm saying? We, we, we're we fixing problems that don't exist anymore. Right. So you're 28, you're listening to this podcast, like, oh, great, Peter. It must be nice to have freaking cash. Great. And all of a sudden, fast forward, now he's 45, that guy or that Correct. girl. And he's got hundreds of thousands of dollars saved in cash. Right. And it's literally a bad thing for him. So I think it's just, you always have to revisit your problems. And over over life, that'll be and and I and also there's a big psychology part to this too. Well, the psychology too. I actually did some research on this. And Craig, back in the day when this was kind of becoming f- fundamental to you know what, where we're going, our psychology of saving, savings account used to, used to offer eight and nine percent. Yeah. So it was actually a good idea to save in a savings account. Now the best savings accounts are what? I mean, what's your bank offering? Yeah. You? Oh, I mean, it's, my bank it's nothing. Almost it's yeah. It's almost, it's a rounding error. It's not, it's nothing. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's a testament to the exact time we're in. So it's, you can take that, those rates and deploy them to borrow money. Cause when you borrow money and invest money, you can make real money or you can put your bank in, you know, put in the bank and literally just won't even keep up with inflation. So it's important to think about both. So let's go, let's keep going with the, with the, you were talking about leverage for a second, right? Um, yeah. Because I think this is important, and this is why well. There's there's two things I want to say, and and um, the first thing is real estate is not a perfect market. So a perfect market means that 
the price, uh, like Amazon, the access to the market makes it more perfect. What I'm trying to say is that if you're trying to buy a brand new Honda Accord, you're probably not going to find a brand new one for a complete steal, meaning the information mm-hmm. that you have about the Honda Accord, everybody has that. Everybody knows exactly what the MSRP is. Everybody knows exactly. I mean, yeah, you'll get a dealer special or whatever, but if it's a 2022 Honda Accord and you want to buy that, you're going to pay what the market is asking. Real estate is not a perfect market. What does that mean? That means you may have specific knowledge. Your aunt may live in that city. She may be telling you things. You may be driving over. You may have seen it over the last 15 years. You may know a friend that wants to rent in the building. So you can actually get a deal in real estate. You can find something. You can use specific knowledge. You know, in my area, my hometown, I knew there was this crazy hotel going up where you're actually staying when you come down and see me, Peter. It's a beautiful Mm -hmm. hotel. But I knew about it because I was like listening and reading. And I bought a small restaurant right down the block from it. I knew a person that was looking to rent a restaurant. So the existing restaurateur was leaving. I knew my friend Suzanne wanted to put her restaurant Mm -hmm. in that. And I knew a hotel was going. Inside baseball. So so it's inside baseball. So so we paid, you know, blank dollars for it. I invested with a couple of friends. Suzanne moved a restaurant in there. The hotel went up. And now I'm like a genius. Mm -hmm. But the what but it was just because we had specific knowledge. And the other thing about real estate that's so great is leverage, like you said. So when you invest money into the stock market, you're going to get the return on the cash invested typically. But when you have leverage, when you actually only put 30 or 40% down payment and a 50, 60% LTV or even higher loan to value, your return, I just wanted to, I'm just going to unpack this for a second. You're going you buy fast. 100, I did, I'm going to slow it down. You buy a $100,000 piece of real estate. And let's, let's put, keep it simple. Let's say you're buying a million dollar piece of real estate. Like, right. How many you put down, dollars? so your loan to value is how much money the bank will give you according to the value. So it's appraised for a million, you paid a million. Perfect market. And so pause right there. So typically if it's owner occupied, it can be as low as 10 to 15%. It could be zero, Peter, with the S&P. Or if it's- I mean, not S&P, SBM, sorry, SBS. If it's an investment only, it could be anywhere from 20 to 25% or 30, like you're saying. It could be four. I just got a 60% LTV. I put 40%. And so what you try to do is not become over levered. So meaning you want to have some skin in the game, probably right. the bank wants you to have some skin in the game, but it's always better to use their money if possible. Right. 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 So the yes. higher LTV you can get, the better. So what two, um, two of the buildings I'm closing on before the end of the year, Craig, I mentioned to you on, uh, before we hit record, one is an owner occupied at 15% LTV. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm at 15% down, 85%. And the other is likely going to end up in the um, 75% LTV, right? Which is going to require much bigger down payment uh, versus, you know, the cost of the building. Okay. Let okay. me tell you why this makes the most, this is where the math gets really cool. Okay. So another premise is what's called cash on cash return. And what does that mean? That means if you, invested, you bought a million dollar building and you had to put down $200,000 and the building goes from 1 million to 1.5 million in expert of time. You have not just made $500,000 on your million dollar building. You've made $500,000 on the $200,000 invested cash on cash return. Well, that's so actually you, not how you calculate. You're, you're talking about appreciate, you're commingling appreciation and cash on cash. 
So right. well, I'm just saying if you sold it, I'm just trying okay. to dumb it down. Sure, like sure. If you, but, but, if, but look at it from an investment only, Craig. Let's just say you're never going to okay. sell it, right? So let's say you take a million dollar building, okay, and then you get, um, let's say you take a um, twenty year amortization schedule and you have to put three hundred thousand dollars down, okay. But the cap rate on the property, and you borrowed at four percent, okay. But the cap rate on the property is going to be, um, I don't know, I mean, we're going to have to use round, round. Yeah, Okay, let's call it six. So what you're, what you're calculating is you get the full advantage, you get the delta of what you borrow money and your cap rate, which the difference would be, you, you said call it six. So you get that 2% on the entire amount, which then cap, but you only put in 300,000. So you're getting the full benefit of the million dollars, but you put in 300,000. So that's cash on cash. What is your return on the entire building of that million dollars, even though you only of your $300,000. And that's how you brought it in to be the similarity between the stock market, right? Right. You, you only put in the stock market, which is actually your money, right? Meaning you right. three, no one says, Hey, we'll give you a million dollars, put in the stock market, but yeah, just put $200,000, just put $200,000 and we'll give you a million, right? No big yeah. deal. And if it goes bad, it'll be fine. Right. Yeah. So that's so what that's where it's but, important to look at not only the cap rate, but the cash right. on cash return. And by the way, I like the stock market over long periods of time. The reason why the stock market gets people in trouble is it's a perfect market. You can literally log in and hit the sell button with one click of the mouse. So as, as the great financial advisors that we've had on before have said, it is not timing the market. It is time in the market. Put it there, put it in an index fund and forget it. You will kick ass over a long period of time. Real estate, it's hard to check the value on a daily basis. <laughs> if you could see a report sent to you that your dental building is went down 30% yesterday, you might sell it, but you can't. By the time you want to get it sold, you know, it, it, the, the fad or the problem would, would recover. So by virtue of the, of the class of asset, it is illiquid and difficult to transact out of, thereby making the holder invest and hold longer. So it's not that it's a better class over one thing over another. It's just harder to hit the panic button and sell it. And by the way, we just went down a pretty decent amount of information. Well, you know, but that's okay. Like if they don't understand something, someone listening, I mean, we're giving the terms to kind of dig in and research some of this. I mean, like, I don't really understand what we're talking about cash on cash. And there's plenty of resources that go over like, what is cash on cash? What is cap rate? How do you evaluate? And, and by the way, we're talking about commercial. We're not talking about residential. What I like, and Peter, we've not talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. What I like about commercial um, over, and, and again, I don't have much residential experience outside of my own houses. Um, Tenant laws like occupancy laws, eviction laws, and stuff like that mm -hmm. are very favorable towards the tenant of a residential piece of real estate. If your leases are done correctly, they're very favorable for your the owner of the building. They're not very tenant friendly. So I think it protects the investor. Number two is that the bank is going to do a deeper dive on the analysis of its cash flow. So a bank, in order to give you, uh, in order for the bank to give you a commercial loan, they're going to do you know, an underwriting process where they're going to make you aware. Did you know that, that the restaurant in the corner only has two more years left? They're going, because they're kind of equally yoked to you and making sure mm -hmm. that they want that investment. Granted, it has a higher barrier to entry. And look, I'm 50 years old taking down my first piece on my own. Mm -hmm. So if you have the advantage of having friends that are in this segment or you have people that you trust, you know, I, I think the best time to do it, you know, I was asking a question on the Mighty Network. What's one thing you would wish you started early in your journey? A lot of people said financial education, financial understanding. Mm -hmm. That is huge. 
teachers, unfortunately, are not paid well, you know, whether it's university or, or high school. And those are the people that are teaching us about money. They're not yeah. wealthy people. Yeah. You're learning money from people who are not wealthy. And, I, and I, it's amazing how little understanding people have of money. So what do dentists do? They accumulate and they spend, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the, the worst asset, the worst asset you could possibly buy is going to be better than the best spend you could ever make. The best consumption, like best of, consumption. Yeah, yes. From go. a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if yeah, you yeah. make a terrible investment, you lose all of it. At least you get to deduct it from your taxes. Yeah, that's true. What if you buy that beach condo fractional thing, or you buy some crazy pair of, you know, backpack or jeans or some, some, some consumable piece of clothing or a brand new BMW. The minute you drive it off the lot, it's gone. The value is mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. So, and what do you do with that? You can't like write that off. Like nope. I lost all that money. So go on. We're going, we're going all over the no, place. No, it's okay. But like, but that is the, that is the subject of real estate. Unfortunately, it's all over the place. Hey everyone. Newsflash. Save this date. Our 2022 summit will be taking place on June 2nd through 5th in Nash, Vegas, Tennessee. Sign up to receive summit updates at bulletproofsummit.com or stay connected with all things Bulletproof by joining our network at bulletproof.dental. The next topic I want to talk about is um, is something called cost segregation. And by now, I feel like I've beat that drum enough on the summit. I guarantee this is news for people. But like the cost segregation is a very powerful way to fully maximize your deductions. So let me explain. So typically when you buy a building, it is, it is your accountant will say, okay, great. You bought a building. It's depreciated over 39 years. Yeah. And that is, that is in commercial properties and that's super boring. And it's only what 13%. I mean, it'd only be what a couple of percent a year that you get to deduct. But the thing is with a cost segregation, what you do, you have to get a cost segregation study done. And typically it costs about $5,000, $10,000 maybe. But if it's a big enough building, it actually becomes worth it because what they do in a cost seg is they go in and they look at things are depreciated differently over time, meaning windows and doors wear out, landscaping, uh, cat five, they pull out every component of the building as opposed they to literally the segregate the cost, They segregate the cost of everything. They depreciate it on a different schedule so you can accelerate your depreciation. Um, and what does time. that matter? That, ma- that means that instead of taking the tax savings over the long haul, you can upfront bonus depreciate that early on. So for the first couple of years of your new investment, you could abate much, if not all of your income from that property by doing that. Yeah. Not only that, you could actually go, you could actually abate, abate some of your in, your income taxes, not related to just that property, but your income taxes overall. Right. Yep. Of course. Um, because you get the advantage of going back to, we were talking about the cap rate. You don't get the advantage of just putting in the $300,000. You get to take advantage of the million dollar deduction over time. Right. So it's, it's almost like, you know, like Dennis, we will buy this, but for instance, it's like a Sarac right before the year ends. Right. Because they know that they get the, the hundred and whatever yeah, thousand dollar write off yeah. the, the write off right. right before the end of the year. And you get to write it off, even though you didn't pay for it in cash, you financed it through Patterson or whoever, but you get the write-off. It's kind of the same thing in that it, the government gives you um, the government gives you some 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 bonus points for actually stimulating the economy. Yeah, um, and, the, and we're talking the way the rules are w- written right now. But uh, you know, of course, it's important if there's something that you could buy that will make you 
do your job better, faster, easier. It is far better to do that by that than, than actually pay taxes on the earned income. For those of you who have accountants that are not, you're not meeting with at like this Q3, Q4 time of year, we actually still have time to buy something that you might need for the practice. Get an emergency meeting with your accountant because often like in my earlier times of my career, I was surprised by my tax bill. It was too late. So it was like December 25th and like, oh, we're doing your estimated taxes. I'm like, oh, cool. What do I owe? I owe that. Well, shit, I wanted to buy that. I Why didn't you tell me in June? Why didn't you tell me? Well, you didn't ask. Yeah, you didn't ask. You know, so if you haven't done that, if you know, these are things you should be looking at. We segued again, but I think that's no, I don't feel like we're segueing. Um, so at this point, you know, real estate is sexy enough, but now we're going to talk about something called bonus depreciation, which depending upon the president at the time, depending upon the administration, I haven't looked into that actually, but I don't think Biden has directly proposed to eliminate or reduce bonus depreciation. Not yet, no. So bonus depreciation is just fascinating. Okay. So what it allows you to do is to write everything off under one 15 year life, uh, one, one term. Um, so it changes. So under the current law, hundred percent first year deduction for the adjusted basis, uh, is allowed for qualified properties to be written off. Um, and then there, and then, and then potentially it's phased down through, through each year, like from 2026, it's, it's going to be dropping. Right. So th- this bill is going to be expiring after 2026. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you can, if, so if you take advantage of this, you can literally get away with paying close to nothing in taxes, depending upon the size of the real estate that you're taking down. And this is all legal. This isn't tax evasion. This is the way, of course, you're using the rules. This is the way the code is written. Okay. Um, It's funny. Like it's funny that the IRS, like, it's like they, it's almost like, Hey, encourage this actually. Well, I'm going to play a game with you, Mr. Taxpayer. I'm going to write the rules. I know the number you should pay. You tell me what you think you need to pay. And we have to, we have to come up with our own. Basically we and our accountants have to guess what we need to pay in taxes, you know, according to the rules. So the, the game, the rules are written such that we interpret them. And again, listen, when you take, when you take property and you wind up, you know, completely expense, you know, de- depreciating it over a lifetime. And then you, there's a recapture cost. There's a day of reckoning sure. coming. When you sell the property. When you sell the property, but there's also a 1031 exchange, which we'll put a pin in for now. Yeah. <laughs> so it gets the go ahead with this, um, with the taxation, bonus depreciation, and whatnot. Then we'll talk well, about it's the just, 1031. Look, again, let's take our same example: a million dollar purchase, putting 30 percent down. Right? You put in 300k on in, as your as your as your chip on the table, but that 300 thousand dollars thousand dollars is 100 percent of your 300 thousand dollar investment. Right? Right? That's all you did. Okay. But now you get to take advantage of the you get to you get to write off the million dollar purchase. So this leverage is now amplified your deduction. Not only has the well, leverage you can't write you, it all off, but you can write off with the cost that you can get pretty aggressive. Potentially, with how much you, you could, off. depending upon depending yeah. upon how it works, right? Yeah. Um, so the leverage not only has the leverage created a scenario, Craig, where you where you actually had positive cash flow potentially, but now you've created a situation where the leverage amplified your deduction. Right. 100%. So it's almost like, whoa. Um, and so this is why, you know, like I've been a massive advocate of, of, of real estate, you know, ever since my professional career, um, you know, I almost acquired buildings. Like I, you know, that was my collectibles thing. 
And so this is like my ninth and 10th building that I'm buying. Um, yeah, good for you. Well, I, mean, awesome. I don't, I I don't mean not. that as a humble flex. It's just like, I, I think I've actually said this publicly. When I get, when I acquire or accrue money based on work efforts, you know, I get nervous and I deploy it. I look for opportunities in real estate because I'm not a good investor of the stock market. I pick, I'm a shitty picker of stocks. Um, and you yeah. might not, I think you've said something about discipline too. I mean, listen, you're always going to make your mortgage payment. It is forced savings. 100%. You cannot, if you, you know, we all know at least, you know, financial planners will tell you, oh, you have to say, make sure you save this much per year. Like that's hard to do. You will not ignore a mortgage payment. It will happen. Totally. It's and forced savings. A- like you said, it's forced savings and it's forced, you know, going back to Pearson's law, and I don't want to put a pin in that, but you and I talk about tracking, we track our net worth over time as opposed to like, well, how much, how much do I have in savings like that? We don't track that because we don't care. The, the big master game is tracking your net worth over time. And right. so it's interesting to see like, man, I didn't really make much. But then you look at what you actually, you abated on the principle of what you owe yeah. on the like building friend over will. time. And you forget like, our, like yeah. wow, every yeah. month I'm actually, I'm actually increasing that on just this property, $4,000 a month. Right. Right. So if you're, if, if we're talking to you now, so let's just say you're a dentist that works for yourself and you own your own building. Mm-hmm. And you tell yourself, oh, I make 150 grand a year because that's mm-hmm. what your practice pays you. Mm-hmm. You're not, it's not being true. So at the end of the year, you have to say, I made 150 grand for being a dentist mm-hmm. and I paid blank dollars in principal off on my asset. So whatever that is, you have to add that. And then if your practice increased in value because you're killing it and you're doing better, you have to add that. Mm-hmm. So I think we tend, you know, at, we start off as employees or working, you know, for ourselves, and we don't have any assets, the only thing we're counting is how many, you know, basically you're a sheep herder, how many sheep do I have? I have four last year, I have six this year. But you know what, if you're acquiring assets along the way, you have to add that as well. We had one of our masterminders say, I'm only making blank dollars. And I have a blank dollar payment on my building. And I'm like, well, every month, you know, 50 60% of that is your principal reduction. So you have to add that to, you know, it's forced savings. You put it from right pocket to left. You didn't spend it. Yeah. It, you get it one day, right? It's just delay your save. It's your own savings you, account. I like how you And the funny that. thing is, Peter, you and I are getting to the age where it's like 15, 20 years have gone by. It matters. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, oh shit, like that thing is paid off. Like yeah. that huge number is paid down to what? Yeah, like because at first it's like you're chipping away, but you know it's like the law of compounding interest can work for you or against you. The compounding effect. Talk so to ten thirty one real quick, just because you yeah. Mentioned so that essentially, you know, the taxes that you've saved have to be recaptured at a certain point. Um, but there's at this current time, there's what's called a ten thirty one exchange, which means in very simple terms. Again, Peter and I are not tax professionals, but we understand the concepts, and these are concepts you need to at least get yourself familiar with is that when you sell your property, you can redeploy in a tax, uh, in a zero tax environment, Environment, redeploy that money to another uh, piece of real estate. So you can even take your gains into meaning. So if you bought the building for a million dollars 10 years ago, now it's worth two, you can, and you sell the building. Now you can take that 2 million and deploy it into a building, um, maybe three or four, right? Right. There are rules for it, but 
Peter's essentially uh, right with that. So well, you have uh, what, to deploy a hundred percent of the profits right. back into the new building is what I'm saying. And you I'm might, saying. you might be able to, if you can't find an asset that's large enough, you can combine them for 1031. So if you have a million dollars of profit, you could in theory buy a couple smaller buildings or something like that. But basically what you're doing now is you're taking a legal tax abated loan from the government. You owe that money. You'll own it. You'll owe it. You either you or your heirs will owe it to the government. But between now and then, you have the ability to use that money. Here's why it's grow. a great strategy, especially if you're if you're good with risk and you're and you're a good so let me give you this scenario, Craig. As you know, I almost sold one a building this year. Okay. So the yeah. guy who was helping me. Who was me, the guy that wanted to buy it? Was, uh, was it crazy? Well you're you were one of them. I'm just joking. I and know. um so ultimately, I decided not to, but it was going to be in a 1031 exchange. And here's the interesting thing, because the building was being sold for around $2 million, okay, and was owed on it as about 800. He was actually talking in a scenario, my, the guy who I was selling, he's like, look, you can take this and, and lever back up. So I levered the first time and I could relever it. And now I could get into a five and $6 million piece of property by re-levering re re up on this. So this is how, you know, you hear people with, with, and, you know, talk about find a wealthy person, ask them how they created their wealth. It's a lot of times they had their own business. It's software, it's tech, it's something, or it's real estate. It's a very, it's a very, I mean, how many, Craig, how many it's people? Not typically, it's not typically healthcare providers sure. or people who exchange time and money leading to true wealth, unless you're a really sophisticated saver or investor, but it's true. I mean, it, it is at least an anecdotally in my world, it is usually real estate in my world. Yeah, especially um, in South Florida, you hear that a lot, right? Well, Atlanta too. Um, so you know, real estate is is a theme you'll see in people who have 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 taken advantage of the tax code, have taken advantage of leverage, and have taken advantage of inside you know opportunities yeah. like you see and, and relevering. Yeah. So it's it's like rich dad poor dad, which is just always should be reread. Um, and I I tell my kids this stuff too. It's like we we work for money. But assets are really the thing that you want. You want to have assets, absolutely want to have assets. And by the way, the, the inflation that we're talking about helps the rich and, kill, and crushes the poor. So this printing of money and redistributing money is actually going to hurt the poorest people because they do not, they, they spend money, they don't invest money. That's what sucks. Inflation is just taxation, full stop. It is, it is. That's, that's, that's the, that is the unfortunate part. It's an insidious form of taxation that affects the, and the people the who poorest. don't have assets. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, like you said, get, get assets, either equity or, or hard assets, unfortunately get, um, you know, and I'm, they get this demolished. Isn't, this isn't me saying this, this is, you know, yeah. everyone, everyone in the world and, says this. And they this is just important. We got to wake up because Peter and I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm 50. I did not have this understanding at 28 and 30 or 35. And I'm, I'm hoping that there's people that are listening that are that age and understand what we're trying to say here. You don't understand money unless you get taught it and, and be careful who you listen to. So your, your father or mother could be a blue collar, you know, person who's just working for money. And, and that's who your financial mentor is like, oh, don't have debt. You don't want debt. Like make sure you pay everything off and put the money under your mattress. That's actually not a good idea. It might be a good idea for them at that at their point in their life. But even my father, my father is a post-gener uh, post-depression era baby who's born in the 40s. He's not the type of person that's a savvy investor. He doesn't believe in investing. He just wants to accumulate. And that's cool too. 
but I think it's important who you, who you ask. And I always tell people, find your wealthy friends and go to lunch with them. It'll be the best lunch you could ever do. Take, take someone that's a patient of yours and say, I'd love to just take you to lunch. Sorry, you're, uh, you're on a uh, mute. You're on mute, Peter. I could read your lips. Can't hear anything you're saying. Oh, sorry. I was like, yeah, take him to lunch and be like, hey, how did you do this? Like, can you know, I don't want to recreate yeah. the wheel. Can you just show me your plan? Like, was it real estate? Was it stocks? Was it for, you know, who knows? Um, it was I discipline. think this is a good, look, we went down the investment uh, portal, um, which is not too dissimilar to the owner occupied, which we started in the beginning of the podcast. Owner occupied, actually even better. Like I said, it gives you can have a higher, um, you, you can put down less money in terms of a loan to value. Um, and cause the bank obviously has a little bit more security in you being the one who occupies that lease, right? You, the practice yep. occupies that lease. So they're like, Hey, we're pretty comfortable with this. Typically that you already have your operating account with that bank, you know, or they will probably mandate that you do have it with that bank just so they can see kind of the cash flows that are going on. Um, but you will typically get good rates and, and the same, the same principles we talked about still apply, meaning cost segregation still applies, bonus depreciation still applies. Um, obviously, the the leverage of the of, of the, uh, the money still applies. All of it still applies. Even the ten thirty one exchange, meaning one of my buildings we talked about that I gave you that example was an owner occupied. It was going to be an owner occupied ten thirty one exchange, which I was going to probably go from an owner occupied scenario to an to an investment scenario, right? So. All the things we and, and while you're about. while you're talking, I just want to bring up a small thing. I know we're 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 just giving like little tidbits here all over, but I want to make sure that when you own your building, um, if you if you're thinking about owning a building or one for your practice, make sure they're in separate corporations. It's really important. You don't want your building being owned by your dental practice and your dental practice owning the building. It's it's just for divid for, for many reasons. Um, you want to separate those out yep. through a corporation. It's its own tax return. It's its own company. You know, it's its and and the biggest reason, Craig, I think you would probably agree, is that from it's from a division of assets, meaning yeah. that it's a veil of protection from possible yes, uh, possible someone who could be wanting it. Whether it's um, well, I was going to say it's really for just a variety of reasons. Yeah, for really. a variety of reasons, yep. you want to do that. Yeah, but um, uh, f- for those that are not. Um, in a situation, I got to bring up one, one funny story and I don't want to sure. call on any names, but a friend of Peter's and I, we were talking to him. He was actually one of our masterminders, a great guy, really smart guy. Um, he was doing an expansion to his practice and, um, he was renting his building. Um, he was renting like two of the bays in this building. There was five bays and he's going to expand to take on four bays of the building. So he was going to be like 90% or 80% of the entire space. And I'm like, well, before you sign the contract, ask to buy the building. It was like, it's too late. They gave me a really good deal. And I told my friend who's a commercial real estate broker, a commercial real estate developer. I'm like, hey, Michael, this guy did this. He's like, do me a favor. Don't tell your dentist this secret. It's like, what do you mean? He's like, because that's how I make my money. So essentially, when I talked to this dentist, He's like, well, I didn't really want, I don't want to buy the building. I'm like, well, look at what you're paying. You signed a 10-year lease. Take what you're paying towards 120 months. You're actually buying the building, just not for you. You're buying it for him. Because at the end of it, and then, you would some. Have, and then some, yeah, you would literally have bought the building for yourself. So people are like, ah, I just don't, I'm not sure what the future is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You got to really think about those types of things. But, you know, I think, it, I think it does matter. So I, I like that you brought this up because we talk about it like it's this bulletproof investment thesis. And like, look, I know a lot of people who've also gotten wrecked 
in real estate. And it's not yes. the owner-occupied scenarios typically, unless the build unless the business goes belly up, right? You typically your owner-occupied is going to be okay. Hence, why the bank says hmm, you can put zero percent down almost. Okay, but I know people who have gotten you know pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. I know people who've been oh, hogs yeah. in real estate and taken so much leverage out, and then you have a two thousand nine scenario, right, where the mm-hmm. world seems like it's flipped upside down and it's ending, and people go bankrupt because that yeah. leverage can turn into your worst freaking enemy. Ultimately, yeah, you get a capital call. Yeah. And especially so, when your when your assets are cross collateralized, they may actually tell you, Oh, no big deal. Like you want to buy this shopping center. Great. Dr. Jones, we're going to, we just want to use your, your dental building as collateral. And one of the things I realized it's not for failure of payment. You can, you, when you're cross collateralized and you have what's called minimum coverage ratios and stuff like that, they can call your note for any reason. Yeah. And your everything can kind of be sunk like a, um, like a house of cards. Yeah. If you violate kind of some of the provisions in which they borrowed the money and they find out about it, they, you're, you're say if you cross collateralize and don't become, you're not forthcoming, then they could call the debt and then you have yep. to pay, either pay it or forfeit the, uh, the, um, asset. the asset, which is no bueno. You don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we, we, you know, we're, we're, what I'd really like to impart upon the people is obviously there's a game to be learned. Um, with this, there's rules, but you know, everything is free. Now the education is this podcast is free. It's there's so many tools available to you. And I just think it's something that as risk averse people, dentists, we're risk averse and, and we're, we're highly compensated as wage earners, but we don't typically get wealthy and we don't typically have an ability to retire on time. The difference is, is through our assets and our investments. Well, you know, like look at, um, you know, Peter Maluk even gave that, that's that statistic from our summit, right? Like the independence, dentist inability to retire uh, financially independent is is startling, um, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. and, and that's why they've kind of crossed, gotten that gotten that arm called you know dental financial freedom that really helps. He, he really want he really wants to help dentists like fix this problem in our industry because it's pretty pervasive, right? Having this, I think you have the statistics, Craig. Um, it's startling. Pretty, it's yeah, startling. It's, it's, Naval it's, talks about it too. It's always wage. It's high wage earners. The most dangerous thing you could be. The, the most addicting thing is your salary. So, you know, we have to talk about that, you know, Galloway never made more than $150,000, $200,000 a year. So, you know, you wind up, entrepreneurs wind up living lean because they never get to high wages. They, they just build businesses and flip them. And those are events. And when you get an event, you get a large amount of money. You typically don't go off and buy yourself a Ferrari. You see it as a precious event. You deploy that asset and, and try to get yield on it. So we're in a particularly dangerous situation. We don't have assets as dentists, but we're high wage earners. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's like a double, a double whammy in the wrong way. So Craig, I think we've covered, I mean, look, obviously we could go real deep into a lot of these and, and it can be, it, it could be instructional in itself. And, but like you said, we're not lawyers, we're not tax advisors, all these things, but it's good to just kind of bring the awareness. So we covered today was investment, property investment, owner occupied and, and just investment. What I'd like to do is continue this this topic, um, talking about real estate, because in, it, we've get we always seem to get a lot of questions regarding like a ground up buildings, right? How do you, how do you build out your own dental practice ground up? Do you right. use dental contractors? So this is still in the in the uh, umbrella of all things real estate. I'd like to kind of talk about you know because I'm looking at some of the questions we've gotten even from past summits, like what architects do you recommend? Do you use one that's dental specific? Um, you know, what are the pros and cons company? of owning the real estate where you practice? There you go. There you go. There's a lot here. Right. So things like that. So we'll go into, we'll go into down that, um, that tributary, if you will, of, of real estate. 
in, in the next uh, episode. And then if anyone else has any suggestions, if something that we want to cover uh, um, even beyond the, the, this one and the one I just mentioned, get on Mighty Networks. Let us know. I think, Craig, you actually, or I, I proposed, I proposed the question to people, didn't I? About yeah. like, hey, if you've got some, if you've got something related to this, is there any questions quickly on, on, on that as you look at it? Hang on one second. Let me pull it up. I didn't, I didn't see it. But if you've got jump. questions, um, that's a good place to, to drive like, Hey, I sure wish these bulletproof yahoos would talk about this. Um, that's a good place. That's a good place to crowdsource your suggestion and get, get it, uh, get some thumbs up on that. And, uh, more than likely we'll, we'll, we'll do a pod on it. And if it's not us who is the expert, then, then we, we luckily have good proximity to people who can, uh, who can be the experts on what you seek. Yeah. There's so many questions I see in other forums. I just don't want to touch them because like you said, the crowd potting, will be pulled down into that, but the mighty networks is a safe place. It's for broad thinking people. It's for abundant thinkers. So there's no wrong question, but please ask away. Peter, I didn't see your comment, but you know, um, uh, for the real estate thing, but please comment under that and um, let's, let's get more dialogue going on it. There's a lot of different um, questions about it. I think it was the best thing that I've ever done. I mean, it, it easily put me in a new category, having uh, my building and, and from an asset standpoint and from a marketing standpoint too, because your, your real estate is your marketing. Well, that's not even, yeah. I mean, that's a whole different animal to talk about is like, you know, look, yes, it was an expense for you, but it truly was a marketing expense. My camera's on the fritz again. It's okay. Um, like, no, it's true. But- if you think about like, if you're going to be putting your, your building or your dental office on a main road, just a fun fact is call the billboard that's closest to your building mm-hmm. uh, and, and call the number on the bottom and say, Hey, in the corner of Maine and Cove Avenue, you know, where my office is, how much is the building per month? Like six grand, five grand. Okay. We'll put that into your mortgage payment. Then like think of your mortgage payment as having $5,000 cut away from it, from yep. the billboard that you did. So, and, and it's the, and it's the true, I mean, it's the true, uh, that's the true cost. Um, all right. Well, I, I actually can't find it either, Craig. I hope it posts, but um, if it hasn't, we'll get it, we'll get it locked and loaded for the next uh, the series on this. Anything else, buddy, in closing? I enjoyed that. Get on those summit tickets. Um, get on them. We're excited to see you all and uh, keep going out to the mighty network. Ask your questions. There's no dumb question. I'm sure if you have some burning question about practice or challenges you're going through, I guarantee you we're all going through the same thing. Um, it's, it's uh it's good to have that camaraderie and, and network. So please use it. I get to see you in a few days, buddy. I'm headed down yeah. to Miami for our, uh, one of our in-person masterminders, mind events. And um, yeah, I'm seeing you this weekend. Going to be cool. coming in on uh, Thursday night. Um, yeah. So actually I did find the thread finally. And Tommy, Tommy um, Dooley actually said how much. Yeah. So some of these questions we actually talked about, um, but I'll, I'll get to his question. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon.